there are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. So I bring on guests with a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation. And I often draw on the meaning work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my own consulting experience, including the work I do today at Insignium, a global management consulting firm. Last week, if you missed the, the live show, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with David Perks of Pay Compliment in Sydney, Australia. We talked about the power of feedback over the lifetime of an employee to shape development and foster engagement. Very interesting conversation and learning about how this company grew to be what they do today. Quite interesting and inspiring, I might say. With us this week is Dr. Bob Nelson. He is considered the leading authority on employee recognition, motivation, and engagement. He is president of Nelson Motivation, Inc., a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. Many other accolades we could say, but I also want to say he is an author with many books out there. He sold more than 5 million books on management and employee motivation, including 1,501 ways to reward employees recognizing and engaging employees for dummies and many others. Dr. Bob Nelson comes to us today from, where are you coming from in today? California, yes, Bob? Oh. Uh, from where? San Diego. San Diego, great place. Well, welcome to Working on Purpose. Great to have you with me. Great to be with you. I want to extract as much as I can out of you in the short time we have together. So one of the things that's interesting, I love this title that you've been given, the Guru, the, the guru Doctor of Thank You. That is so great. <laughs> Obviously, you're, you're recognized across the globe on employee recognition, motivation, and engagement. I want to open the show by asking about your why, Dr. Bob. Why this field? Why employee motivation and recognition? Well... Uh, I guess it was John Lennon that says that life is what happens when you're making other plans. And uh, (laughs) I guess I just followed one thing after another. I was always interested in writing, and I uh, got uh, from my my graduate work in, uh, in, I got interested in um, the power of recognition. Uh, I worked with... uh, Dr. Ken Blanchard, who wrote The One-Minute Manager, which is mm-hmm. three secrets, uh, one-minute one minute goal-setting, one-minute praising, one-minute reprimanding of, of those. Uh, the, the, the most uh, critical of those is the praising part. And so I um, saw the power of reinforcement theory and explored that further in uh, my studies. And that's actually considered the most um, proven principle of driving desired performance, desired behavior and performance is you get what you reward, what you notice, what you inspect, you get more of from in any relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I had the idea of um, doing a resource that helped um, show people what that, what that looked like specifically. And, and that was um, the book I did, A Thousand One Ways to Reward Employees that just went to, into its 60-second printing. I'm pleased to say it sold over 
two million copies just in the U.S. Um, so it um, that was kind of the uh, uh, one thing led to another, and then I started uh, uh, speaking on the topic. And then the more you, of that you do, the more you learn and um, follow up books. And it's, it's just said that every writer is writing the same book over and over. You know, kind of, kind of. Uh, uh, and I, I, I kind of think that's true. I'm looking at different angles to make the connection for people to see this this topic and the things I've seen from my research and my own life experience that really does work. Um, so, um, and for, you know, and a key part of uh, of making that connection and a key motivator for uh, employees is purpose. Um, you know, the uh, largest generation in the workforce now is the millennial generation, which has um, currently, thirty-six uh, percent of all employees are from that generation, and uh, on top of the list as to what is important to them, studies show sixty-one percent say um, working with an organization that has purpose is actually one of the most defining characteristics. Um, also, on that list is is being thanked and valued for the job they're doing, which is my bailiwick. So it's, uh, we got, uh, two, two anchors on the, uh, very important, uh, aspects to help drive what's currently the largest population in the workforce. Hmm. Well, obviously, purpose is very important to me, too, which is why I host the show called Working on Purpose, and I've been fascinated with it for, for many years as well. I didn't know that uh, about one that 36 percent of the workplace is millennials, and I didn't know that that was their one of their principal drivers, or maybe their principal driver. That's fascinating. I'm interested to hear from you, Dr. Bob, about what you've learned and observed about companies that address purpose, and what are they what are they doing, and how how are they actually keeping a, a purpose alive for their employees? Well, that's a that's a wonderful question. It's one that I'm very passionate about. I, I find that there's a a big divide between everyone says it's important and everyone has, uh, every company has a purpose statement, a mission statement, a vision statement. And, and those that actually show it's important are a little bit harder to find. Uh, so it's often, you know, in the boardroom, it's an annual report and uh, the, the uh, putting it into practice and into the daily hands of the people in the company is, is a much different challenge, and the companies that um, do that tend to get the best results in terms of of um, retention and meaning and, and work and productivity. Ones that, that don't, it just did it kind of for lip service. Um, they, some some of them never never see the value of it. So I, I'm I'm very interested in, in for those companies that do it, what do they do? And, and and I've worked with several thousand organizations at this point, so I'll give you one that I've worked with for the last 15 years, and that's the Disney, Walt Disney Corporation. And and uh, you take, um, like, the Orlando facility, the largest single-site employer on the globe, 62,000 employees, and everything they do speaks to their purpose of creating the happiest place on Earth and from mm. everything they do uh, reinforces that from from uh, who they interview and how they interview. So even in an interview, and I've, I've actually seen, you know, first-time interviews of, of someone coming in to work for Disney and they're talking to someone, and from the get-go they talk about the importance of the show. 
this is what we do here. We're it's a show, and they and they talk about what that looks like right in the environment we're in right now. You know, and uh, you know, I, I I remember seeing the uh, two people talking in an interview situation in the lobby, and and uh, and they get up to leave, and the and the the person being interviewed leaves a, a paper cup at the table, you know, that they had brought in, and they and, and the and the interviewer turned around and said. Purpose of the show. Remember, we got you, you, you leave the, the space in in a, in a showing uh, facility. So everything everything we do, everything we say, how we look, uh, is all about the show. And so it's it's uh, it, it's driven deep into their culture from the first interaction. And they, when it comes to leaders, which is an important aspect of driving mission and purpose, they hire for that. They train for that. Uh, they they evaluate them for that, and if they have some problem doing it, then they they talk to them and say, you know, maybe you missed part of the thing that's important here, and we're gonna send it back to the training again. And and if uh, and they say if if you're a leader for us, they set the bar higher. And I don't care where you, where you were before. If you're if you're a leader for Disney. Here's our expectations. We expect you to talk about um, with your employees' vision, the vision of the organization, and their vision within the organization. We, we expect you to be a cheerleader to catch them doing things right. We expect these are our expectations. They're not negotiable. <laughs> so, um, and like I say, if they if they don't, uh, if someone does that, and then and they find that they're yelling at people or whatever it might be, they they have a talk and say, you know. <laughs> That's not acceptable. We gotta put you through the training again. And if they still find that they're not they're not doing the things that they know are important to their success, they have a different talk. They say, you know, you're a good person. Everyone's not meant to be a manager. Let's find something else for you to do. Because we're not gonna have you muck up what we've worked so hard on. Because the first person that managed you 20 years ago did it by yelling at you. That's not gonna be acceptable. And and so it goes. So they they worked hard to shape the culture and the, the focus, and then they, they all protect it, not just leadership, not just management, but everyone protects that. Everyone is, is uh, focused on, on the same thing. And then you have a much stronger bond to mission, and you're going to be 100 times more likely to achieve the mission if everyone's pulling together. Mm-hmm. So I know I'm talking to the choir on that you. because you, you are enmeshed in this topic as well, but it's, it's one of those things that... Uh, it sounds like common sense, and what could be harder, you know? Just uh, tell tell them this is what we're trying to do, and everyone everyone got it and run with it. It's like, well, it's, it usually takes more than that. I, I, I remember long uh, years ago hearing the uh, CEO of um, General Electric speak, and someone asked him, "How do a company as large as, as General Electric? How do you get everyone moving in the same direction?" And he mm-hmm. said. Uh, this is Jeff Emmett. He said, uh, well, I'll tell you how you don't do it. You don't announce we're going to be an ISO 9000 company and then go in your office for six months and then come out and say, how's that ISO 9000 thing coming? Because it's not coming anywhere. <laughs> it's not happening. He goes, you have to ride the, get on the horse and ride the horse and lead the charge. If there's a mission that's, that's sacred to your organization, the, the leadership, the top leader has got to be all about that and instill in their leaders to be all about it and have that passed down so that everyone's all about the mission. And it, it, it can't be 
left to the strategy people or to the HR. It's got to be in all of our blood, all of our, our daily mm-hmm. focus. Yeah, and what I'm also getting from that, Bob, and, and you know, you're given such a great example with Disney, and that's such a great way to, to make this come alive for our listeners. But what I'm also hearing you say is that there is, it, it's true for everyone that they get the mission, but there, I, I hear you talking about the way they thread it through everything that they do. The interconnectivity of that message and the behaviors that reinforce that is also what I heard you heard you talk about, and that it's very intentional, very purposeful, that they, they've got a system to be able to look for that. Is that all true? Is that That's what you're saying? That's all true. It can't, I'm saying that you can't manage by announcement. You can't say, okay, this is important. Don't forget the customer and then <laughs> expect that's going to magically happen. You've got to have that dedicated focus and, and keep hammering and at the point where you're sick of hearing about it, they're, they're finally getting it for the first time. So you've got, there's got to be repetition. There's got to be reinforcement on, on strategies, on systems, on certainly on recognizing. You get the things that you recognize. So what are we doing to recognize mission? What are we, you know, uh, for example, I work for a lot, with a lot of hospitals. Everyone that's working in the hospital want to be part of a caring profession. They want to help save lives and, and serve humanity. And yet somehow, more times than not, they're up to their eyeballs with Medicare forms and they're dealing with irate uh, you know, patients and, and families that are frustrated and, and, and their, their life seems like anything but the joy of caring. So for a hospital, you've got to have a, a big focus on making that a part of what we're about. And if people are lost in the weeds with Medicare forms, we've got to do something to, to bring them back. And, and, and that's maybe to talk about the successes we've had with our patients, to have, to have uh, you know, a, a lot of hospitals that were founded by the nuns. The nuns have a special place to make sure that people are treated in a humane way. And they can, they can insert themselves anywhere to, to remind everyone on the mission of why the organization was created. <laughs> and that's a, that's a very good thing. Or maybe have an ombudsperson to, to take on issues where, where things aren't, uh, uh, we seem distracted from our goals. And so that, that's, there's a process in there. And, and if, if it's all become very, if organizations become very efficient and just on making money and, and uh, more times than not, the, the mission gets left behind because there's an opportunity we can make mm-hmm. more money. Does it fit with our mission? Who cares? Look at the profit, profit margin on this thing. And, and suddenly you're doing something that's, that's uh, going sideways. And, and uh, right behind that is, going, is perhaps an unethical decision. Uh, and then all of a sudden, welcome to uh, Volkswagen cheating on the emissions. Welcome to uh, you know a restaurant having E. coli because they were cutting corners and on, on speed, to, you know, and and on and on. It's sort of what makes for a a uh, a poor organization, the one that's, that loses its way. Welcome to Wells Fargo, uh, have suddenly uh, creating customer accounts. You know, so that so people could make their individual goals because they were forced on them by management to say we need to have everyone. We're, we we got to create more accounts, and and somehow between that announcement and then leaving it to individual initiative, people started just making new accounts with the current existing customers and not telling them, and then going back and closing the accounts so they get credit for creating accounts. Well, you know, and then suddenly you know they're like it's last week. They, it looks like they're announcing. Be fined a billion dollars for that practice. Yes, 
It's like, well, that's, yeah. that's a loss of uh, mission focus. That's somewhere in the mix. And I'm, I'm sure uh, the person that, that, that said, we've got to open more accounts. That's how we get more money, that we can do more of the things that we do to help make the world great, that we can do more loans. I'm sure he had the best intentions, but somewhere between that and getting down to evaluating people on the performance they did and did you open up, you know, X number of accounts, okay, you don't get you don't get ranked a five, you get ranked a four or a three or a two or a one. And you now you're you get you get ranked that for two periods and and it's gonna we're gonna dock your pay or, or whatever. The systems are out of alignment with the mission. Mm-hmm. Well, and on that note, I want to talk more about that, Dr. Bob, but let's take a quick break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Dr. Bob Nelson, who is considered the leading authority on employee recognition, motivation, and engagement. He is president of Nelson Motivation, Inc., a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. We've been talking a bit about purpose and how it's used or not used well in organizations. After the break, we're going to talk about recognition. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. 
You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Dr. Bob Nelson, who is president of Nelson Motivation, a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. He serves as an executive strategist for HR issues and has worked with 80% of the Fortune 500. He has been named a top thought leader by the Best Practices Institute and a worldwide influencer on the topic of employee engagement. We've been talking a bit about purpose, and I want to have one more question about that before before we get into the next piece of what I wanted to get to. But before we broke, Dr. Bob, you were talking about some examples of how organizations lost their way, meaning they lost their connection to the mission. And that reminded me of what you'd said before about um, in, if purpose is not easy to see within the, within the work environment, it's important to have a strong connection to your boss. Uh, and it just made me think I wanted to ask you that question as well. Can you say more about that? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, the the person's manager, direct manager, is the the gateway to the rest of the organization. Whatever the organization re- represents to the employee is is reflected through the relationship they have with their immediate manager. So you know the, the saying goes that you go to work for a great company and you always leave a bad boss. Everyone starts a job with uh, the hopes it's going to work out well, and and everyone that's hired is. And the employer has the same expectation. Somewhere along the way, it gets uh, becomes a disconnect, um, and that's often um, if the the manager doesn't take the employee relationship uh, seriously and, and do the things that reinforce uh, a long term relationship, um, then it will it will erode. So take a take an example. Um, you know, when someone makes a mistake, and everyone makes mistakes. Uh, for a lot of managers, they're they're quick to jump all over that and and to embarrass the person and embarrass them in front of their peers. Maybe take the the, the assignment back and do it themselves. All that's showing that they they don't trust the person. And then uh, through the behaviors, and so the employee will will come to feel that they're not trusted, they're not valued, they're not a part of things. That um, maybe they're they've been embarrassed and. And actually, with a lot of today's employees, they'll, they'll, uh, we mentioned the millennials earlier, they'll, they'll quit on the spot that uh, they're not willing to work for someone like that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can't show in your interactions that have a long-term concern that goes beyond the item at hand, then that's not someone I could work for. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm really appreciating the, the millennial weave in here, too, and I do want to talk more about that a little bit later. But um, related to that, what's what's also in there that you mentioned here is the recognition piece. And one of the things I found interesting is that you say that recognition has proven to be the highest driver of engagement. I find that really fascinating. And I want to understand how we know that. Is that via surveys, feedback, research? How do we know that recognition is the biggest driver? Yes, well, that. That uh, has come from a number of companies. Uh, um, the, the one, the research that I, I've used is is from a, a study that was done with three million employees, and it came out of the statistical analysis that recognition represented fifty six percent of the um, uh, of the variance on engagement. So it's, it's the most important topic and of all the things that. 
that lead to having an engaged employee. Uh, so all that tends to come from, um, you know, all motivation issues are an, really an internal construct. They're what's going on in someone's um, own mind about, uh, about things. So usually the way that that's most determined is through asking them to survey mechanism. And okay. uh, with with correlations to the end end goal, uh, that has come up to be uh, critical by by in, in many studies. I, Robert Half International a few years ago that they they found that uh, number one this is a, a large staffing firm at all levels. They found that the the number one leading uh, reason why people quit jobs is they don't feel they get limited recognition for the job they were hired to do. So uh, that, that actually ranked higher than compensation. So it's, it's saying that uh, whereas money is important to people, there's other things that are often as important, sometimes even more important, and recognition happens to be one of those. Mm-hmm. I certainly know that from the research I've been doing over the last 15 years and the 15 modes of engagement that I found. I, I really get that. And then another thing that I wanted to dig deeper into further, Dr. Bob, around recognition, I have to believe that as the workplace has changed, you mentioned the generational makeup, and certainly what we tend to focus on these days has changed over time. So I'm interested if you could speak to how recognition practices have changed over maybe the last 20 or 30 years. It's gotten much harder. (laughs) I bet. It's a common sense notion, but the speed of business has increased, the complexity has increased, the amount of change has increased. You know, um, John Nesbitt, in his 1982 book, Megatrends, he identified one of the major trends in our society is that the more high-tech we become, the more high-touch we need to assimilate that technology. We're definitely Mm -hmm. in a high-tech time now, and the more people are dealing with technology and the average person touches their cell phone over 1,200 times a day, the more that we're, we're glued to social media and uh, electronics and screens, uh, the less human element is in, that we're involved with. And as, as that happens, then essentially the greater the craving that we all have for the human element. And if we're not getting it, then, then we feel something's missing. And again, that leads back to purpose. If you don't, if you're working in an environment where it feels very sterile and you don't know your boss who's in a different location or a different time zone, and you don't feel connected to your your peers, and you don't feel tied to the mission of the organization, then what the heck am I working here for? You know, well, if they pay well, that that might uh, carry the day for a while. It's kind of like combat pay. It's a lousy place to work, but they pay you pretty good. Then, but even even with that, at some point, even that's not enough. That people will quit a, a bad job because they they don't have meaning in it. Meaning is determined through the the touch points, the personal uh, relationships, the recognition, the the tie to the mission. If if we need to have every employee that feels the mission and and owns it as their own, so they are. They are systematically acting from that perspective in their daily interactions, their daily decisions. Let me give you, let me give you an example. I was uh, at a, a Home Depot. I probably shop there every weekend for stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. Tri- recently I overheard these two, two employees speaking. One was obviously a supervisor. The other was a, 
was a new hire, and the supervisor's uh, pointing up to the, the, the high shelves and this one alley goes, you see that stuff up there? You see what that is? And, uh, and, and the, the new employee goes, I, I can't quite make it out. It looks like uh, sliding doors and screens. And No, that's not what it is at all. That's our paycheck. We need to move that down on the floor so it moves out of the, the door so you and I get paid. So everything we do is, is, is facilitating that, and that's why we're, we, we want to be helpful to everyone that walks in the door. What they're, what they're looking for, what projects are they doing, uh, so we can help them do a better job. Yes, we can give them the best price and the part they're looking for, but maybe we can help them even more than that. Uh, we, we can take a, uh, convert a, a $10 request to a $300 request because we just convinced them they can save money by, by cutting their own towels and laying their own kitchen floor. And we do, we've got classes on the weekend they could attend for free to learn how to do that. That's someone that's, that's closer to the mission of the organization in helping and serving the customer in a way that's also profitable to the organization as well. Mm-hmm. well what I also like about that, Dr. Bob, is I, I appreciate that just the way that one person gave their filter, if you will, of, of w- how they're connected to the mission of the organization and, and how they make money. And what I think is brilliant about that is from a from a leader's vantage point is we all get the chance to be able to color that screen the way that we want. That helps us be able to inspire the people that work with us. And, you know, there's creativity in that. And I think it takes, well, I know, and I know you know, it takes intentionality to do that. And I, I appreciate. Absolutely. Yeah, I so appreciate the work that you've been doing over all these years helping organizations to do that. Um, and so, again, I'm interested in any other examples that you can share with us where, sure. pra- where they, you know, companies practice recognition well. Let me give you another one from your own backyard there in Dallas. There's, okay. uh, you know, the container store, right? Yeah. They're, they're headquartered there. Mm-hmm. I know of them. They have, uh, they have eight core values, uh, and, they, and they're very important to their success. One of those core values, and they're very, it's very important to them that people understand and, and learn the values and, and really feel them themselves. And so one of, them, one of their core values is called man in the desert. Mm-hmm. Man in the desert. And so when they bring it up with new employees at an orientation, they go over the values and man in the desert, they say that, and they talk about it. And they say, when you come to a man in the desert, what do they need? Well, they, they probably need water. Right, so you give them water. Do they need anything else? Well, yeah, they probably need transportation. They need shelter. Right, right, right. Think of our customers as that man in the desert. They're, they're coming to us. They have an initial need, uh, water, but they have, a, they have a latent need as well. And the more we can put ourselves in their shoes, the better we can serve their needs and make them a recurring customer that is with us for a longer period of time. That's all from uh, making one. And, the, and then they have, they have uh, employees do skits to teach each other the importance of, a, of that value. And so wow. all that helps them to integrate it as their own and helps them represent it as they are then in front of a customer themselves. Mm. That is a great example. Yes, I do know of the container store. They're extremely well thought of here in Dallas and elsewhere. Um, great example. 
um, any others you can share with us. I really like to be able to give listeners a way to be able to make what we talk about conceptually something they can actually practice and see for themselves. Sure, absolutely. And, and again, whatever business that you're in, you've got to love that. There, there's, there's a, a company, and I'm not as uh, that they, they make um, ball bearings. I'm, I'm grouping with the, the name, but they are all about all about uh, ball bearings. And that means they're all about gears. They're all about machines, and they they have made uh, uh, they have an art uh, exhibit in their in their company of gears, and they mm. and they host it to be in, into all those things that uh, who uses ball bearings, and, and so they do truck rodeos, and they actually host them because everyone that works there they're making ball bearings, but they're 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 focused on those things that the ball bearings are used in, and it takes them in a lot of different directions, and they love all of it because it it uh, brings them closer to customers that also value uh, similar things, and ultimately they value ball bearings. So it seems like at first they, a stretch, but to them it's it's not at all that they they are so they hire people that are advocates about their cars and, and trucks and uh, that's who their their peeps are you know and um, and and then and then they have a a tribe that is all on the same wavelength about the, the, the importance of those things which happen to be important to the success of the organization that's a that's a, another example of a company bringing bringing the uh, the culture uh, the mission clear through the culture another mm-hmm. um, firm I've, I've worked with also uh, uh, is uh, Zappos? Oh, sure. They're very, very big on, shoes. on communicating. Yeah, well, shoes actually all over the the map now. But uh, they started initially with shoes, mm. and um, you know, it's it's funny. And I'll, I'll uh, often I'll show a clip about them, and I'll ask people in my audience about their experience with Zappos. You know, who's shot there? And they ask. Have, how was experience? Is that good or bad? Or, and everyone, it was great. It wasn't good. It was great. Well, what made that great? Well, uh, they they mail stuff at their cost, and if you don't want it, they ship it back at at their cost. Wow, that's that doesn't sound like a, a very good business model to send people stuff for free and then pay to have it returned to you, to you for free. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you can you can order a dozen pairs of shoes and. Send back eleven of them, and uh, wow, it seems like they lose money on that. And, and actually, forty percent of every package they they send out on a daily basis comes back to them at their own cost. And so it looks very short-sighted that this can be a failing business model. But but to them, it's not because they could care less if you buy that pair of shoes or not. What they really want is to keep you as a lifelong customer, and they mm. know they'll do that best if. That, that if you're happy with the, the product you bought, and so they make it very easy, very easy to for you to be happy. Uh, so, 87% of all their orders are done completely uh, electronically with no human interaction and the fulfillment and whatnot. And so, the, the remaining uh, 13%, when someone has a question, for example, or something, you know, didn't fit or whatever it might be, whatever the issue is. They say, spend as much time as you need to help the person. Uh, and there's, there's not a clock to make sure they're off in 30 seconds to make sure that they see, you know, 20 people an hour or whatever it is. 
take as much person for someone that is our customer that has a question, help them until you've resolved their need. In, in, in one extreme instance, they actually have the record is one, one customer, uh, one uh, customer service rep spent eight and a half hours with one customer. I don't know what the problem was, what the situation was, but they, they stayed with them until it was satisfied or, or it obviously must have gone in a lot of different directions, but um, they resolved the matter. And, and my guess is that customer, whoever it was, will, will think of them first for the rest of their life if they need to purchase something. Mm-hmm. Great example, Dr. Bob. And time for a short break already. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Dr. Bob Nelson, who is considered the leading authority on employee recognition, motivation, and engagement. He is president of Nelson Motivation, a, mo- a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. Dr. Bob has sold 5 million books on management and employee motivation, including 1,501 Ways to Reward Employees, Recognizing and Engaging Employees for Dummies, the 1,001 Rewards and Recognition Field Book, 1,001 Ways to Energize Employees, and the Management Bible. He joins us today from San Diego, California. We've been talking about recognition and purpose. After the break, we're going to talk about millennials. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Is email an important part of your business? It is for us. That's why Voice America partners with MailJet. MailJet lets us create impactful newsletters and deliver them right to the inbox fast. Microsoft, MIT, and Avis trust MailJet for their emailing, and so should you. Go to MailJet.com and use the promo code VOICEAMERICA to start emailing for free today. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. Thank you. 
This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A L I S E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Dr. Bob Nelson, who is president of Nelson Motivation, a management training and consulting company that specializes in helping organizations improve their management practices, programs, and systems. He serves as an executive strategist for HR issues and has worked with 80% of the Fortune 500. He has been named a top thought leader by the Best Practice Institute and a worldwide influencer on the topic of employee engagement. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So, Dr. Bob, in this last piece that we have together here, I wanted to focus it on millennials in, and other generations in the workplace and what you've learned about how to motivate them, recognize them, engage them, et cetera. Sure. And I'm, I've heard you and other experts say that the millennials are the, the largest generation in the workplace today. Now you said 36%. Yes. What's, what's the segmentation of the other generations in the workplace by chance? Do you know? Yes, Offhand. I do. Okay. The, the traditionalists uh, currently make up about 2%. 2%, so, wow. Yeah, there's, well, there are those that are, are uh, 69 plus, so actually beyond retirement for many of them. And baby boomers make up 34%, Gen X, mm-hmm. 28%, and millennials, uh, 36%, and the generation after, after them, which maybe doesn't have an official name yet. Some are called Generation Z or Generation V for virtual. It's, it's probably under 2% at this point, but they're still too young to be in the workplace. Uh, so the millennials are currently the largest generation and will just get stronger with each year. By 2020, they'll make up almost 50% of the, the workforce. By 2025, three out of every four employees working will be from this generation. Some companies I work with now already, that 65% are millennials. So depending on, on the industry, uh, certainly retail, hospitality, um, things like that would be a much greater percent um, of millennials. So as the, uh, the baby boomers retire at roughly 10000 a day, there's not enough um, people to fill their jobs from the generation behind them, which was... Uh, the Generation X, which is 20 million people less, so already there's a, a gap. Not even not even looking at the fact that uh, we actually don't just need people; we need people with certain skills. So increasingly, we're going to need to rely on this youngest generation, the millennials. Currently, 44 million in the workplace, 46 million more on the way. So, um, get, attracting them to the organization. Uh, managing them in a way that's productive for both parties, the organization as well as them, and then holding on to them are all huge challenges. Uh, the average tenure of a millennial right now is 1.8 years, and it's dropping. Uh, so it's a, for companies that don't have a plan for this, it'll be like a revolving uh, turnover door that, that uh, and human resources have to spend all their time just trying to get people in, not, not just to have them leave. Uh, 76% of the current um, generation that's currently in jobs say they're planning to find a new job. As the economy further improves, for a typical uh, millennial, they're already looking for a new job the first day they start. They've got their resume out there, and they get pinged if someone views it. So it's, it's an important topic as to, well, what, 
what are they looking for, and is that different from previous generations? And yes, it is. And why I was so excited about being on your show, Elise, is that uh, the, the top thing that this generation is looking for is a sense of purpose in the person they work mm-hmm. for. Yeah. 60%. Awesome. And, and it goes beyond that in terms of the purposes of how I'm spending the bulk of my waking hours, but 61% are actively worried about the world. 72% want to make a direct social impact, which you can do that through the, the job, ideally. 81% donate to multiple charities. Uh, and, and what often gets lost in the mix is that uh, money isn't a top motivator to this group. Uh, 88% say they don't, they don't feel it's their top motivator, and 78% say they're willing to work for less. If they're challenged, if they're working for a place they really believe in, if they're learning, if they're growing, if they're having fun, if they like their peer group, they like their boss, they feel valued, uh, they, they will uh, uh, be very happy, very productive, and stay with the organization for a long time. So if that's not the type of work environment that uh, people have, or if they have this high turnover, they got to do something about it. And one of the things they got to do comes back to purpose. How do we better instill the sense of purpose? And it, it may be like the uh, container store doing skits at uh, an orientation. I, I know a company, Talent Plus, out of Lincoln, Nebraska, where they, they their orientation, they have a um, scavenger hunt. A scavenger hunt. So they don't bring people together and go over policies and have them read boring stuff and I'll check back and see if there's any questions. They assign everyone an orientation Here's seven people that work in our company at different levels, different different parts of the organization. Take the next hour, go find those people, find out what they're doing, come back and tell us what you learned. Hmm. From the get-go, they're linking them to people that are doing the job, the mission of the organization, and starting to build that knowledge within the person that just walked in the door. And, uh, and at the end of that, at, at the end of the orientation, they assign every millennial to a baby boomer, so they have a buddy system that they get together and they have a mentor and a mentoree and they get together and they, they devise their own work contract where uh, it ends up being something like, I'll, okay, I'll teach you how to text and, and how to, to fix uh, uh, email problems on your computer and, and you're going to teach me how to, to get something through purchasing. Oh, we got a deal. So it's not makeup work. It's not uh, just hanging out with someone from a different generation. It's actively learning from each other. If mm-hmm. you do that, there's not going to be a wall between them and other generations or between them and other function of the organization. It's going to be we're all on the same team. And when, when something comes up, we're going to talk with them. When we're not going to talk about them, we're going to talk with them face-to-face. And it's those type of things that eventually that will, will change the environment where now it feels like it's one team. It's not, it's not people blaming others. It's not sales versus manufacturing or, or headquarters against the field. It's we're all on the same team. And there's lots of things. There's lots of things that you can do to instill that, again, that purpose uh, in the organization. I'll give you another Dallas example. Here, I'm, I'm in your court. <laughs> <laughs> Cash America is, is headquartered in Dallas, and they have pawn shops across the country. Well, every person that works for Cash America, whether it's the receptionist at the front desk up to the CEO, spends four hours each week working inside a pawn shop, one of their pawn shops, dealing directly with the customers. 
And as they do that, all of a sudden they become faceless people, becomes real people. And in that business, they find out that people that pawn stuff, more times than not, they want to get the stuff back. <laughs> they just need some money now. And so they, they hope that you're going to have their stuff next week. When they get some money, they can, they can get back their grandmother's uh, uh, jewelry or whatever it might be. Um, and and it's, a, it's a relationship. It's a relationship. And so by knowing those people and knowing their concerns and, and, and what's important to them, they can, they can help speak to that relationship and act in a way that has integrity, that values their things that they're pawning uh, to make their life a little easier this week. It, it, sounds, it may sound uh, sounds, uh, silly, but everyone in the organization has empathy for those people that are pawning stuff, and they have it because they spend time with them face-to-face on a weekly basis, not once one time, not, but on a daily basis. And that helps to, to make the mission of their organization strong and the bond with their employees, especially their younger employees, strong and clear. Mm. A couple things really quick that I just want to reiterate what you said there. I, I love the idea of the scavenger hunt. That's a brilliant idea. I've never heard of that before, but that sounds amazing. That conversation that you're having about pairing a a gen uh, a millennial with like a, bo- a boomer, with yeah. a boomer, yeah. I did a radio show two years ago with a, a guest that talked about that. She called it reverse mentoring, but the same thing. They were both yes. exchanging, and I thought that was just a brilliant idea. And I think that's so such a great way for companies to build their cultures. And then that last and to thing value, about value those people that are are newer or younger. Yes, exactly. Not a one way street, but a two way street. Exactly. Yes. Um, and then that notion of having people really walk the walk the uh, walk the talk, if you will, be in the seat of what the or, what the company does in terms of Cash America. That's also brilliant. Um, just wanted to recognize what you said and, and yes. say it again for our, for our listeners. It actually come full circle because I started with mentioning Disney at the at the theme parks at Disney um, uh, every year. They close the theme park. And they invite everyone that works there, they call them cast members, to come experience the theme park as a guest and bring their family and their friends uh, to remind them what it means to be our our guest. Mm -hmm. And they have all the managers on those days run the rides, serve the concessions, wear the outfits. And in, in just like that, they make an overall point that we're all in it together. No one's more important than someone else. We're all here to make this the happiest place on earth, to, to uh, be dedicated to the, the, the guests coming in the doorway. And however you, you, whatever you need to do in your job to make that a reality, we want you to do. And then people internalize that. What does that mean in their job? So you take a job that, that most people would consider a, a um, you know, a low person in the totem pole, someone's picking up trash and, on a theme park, actually, that's that's considered the most important job at at Disneyland. The person that's picking up paper and and garbage. Why? Because that person will be asked more questions than anyone else on the Disney staff. Mm-hmm. So it's very important how they handle those questions. <laughs> Can you imagine a, a family that that just uh, you know booked a vacation from Ohio and and uh, you know saved for two years to come here and now they're in Anaheim and and it's by the way it's hotter than they they thought it would be and everything's much more expensive than they thought and and now they're you know their their six year old daughter wants to know where 
where Mickey is, and, and they ask the person picking trash, imagine if the person said, how the hell should I know where he is? I just work here. <laughs> I know how that conversation would go. Kids, we're going to the car. <laughs> we're out right. here. And, right. uh, you know, they're going to get a stern letter. I'm, I want a refund. And instead, what does that, that kid do? A 16-year-old kid goes down on one knee, looks a, the girl in the eye, say, have you, have you ever met Mickey before? Oh, you're going to believe it. Let me take you over to his house. And they personally walk him over to that part of the and then the parents are going nuts. We're, next time we're coming, we're coming back next year. We're bringing the grandparents. You know, they're already planning right. the next vacation because it was right. so incredible. Because the whole vacation came down to a five-second interaction, and, mm. and uh, you know that's that's making the magic happen there. And it's, it's, you do that through people, not not a brochure, not an announcement, not an ad. I get that. Uh, we're so close to being out of time already, Dr. Bob, and I want to get one more question on millennials in. Okay. How do they want to be recognized? Well, actually, uh, that's a great question. And one of the defining characteristics of this generation is they expect uh, to be recognized every day. Not wow. once a week, not once a month, not at the end of the year at a performance review, but every day drives baby boomers nuts because they got their own job to do and they don't have they have time. So uh, that's the rub right there. And, and it sounds like an almost impossible thing unless you realize that it doesn't have to be the manager you recognize them every day. It could be a, a co-worker. It could be someone from upper management. It could be a way that we found for the customer to give feedback to the, the person. Uh, so it, it doesn't all fall to one person, but every, every day is something. And they, uh, so as we know from recognition in general, the, the best recognition is face-to-face personal recognition. In fact, uh, from my research, um, I, when I looked at how incentives that people want, how they want to be motivated, I had four categories of praise that came out. And initially I thought, well, you know, it was uh, personal praise, um, written praise, uh, public praise, electronic praise. And I go, well, gee, how, how can there be four categories? This is all one. Praise is praise. That's you know, one category. And what I learned is that, well, no, actually, uh, each of those are different. And, and think about it. It means something different when someone thanks us to our face. And if we got a, a note with a thanks that we can put on our board or share with someone at home. So on each of those, it's like a different cylinder of a car. you got to be firing on each of them. So um, I'm, I'm convinced that the most powerful and important forms of recognition are all things that don't cost money. Mm, so great. It starts with how big the budget is. They're already on the wrong track. It's what are the touch points? Uh, how can we ask people for ideas? What ideas they have? How can we give them the ability to be a part of a decision that's made? Uh, how, how can we have communication be two-way? That's, that's the lion's share. That's the foundation of a strong recognition culture. It's not, it's not do we have gift cards and what are they worth? That's an afterthought. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's got to start with the behavior. Mm, great. Um, in, say, 15 seconds, Dr. Bob, what would you like to leave the listeners with? Well, I, I, everything we've talked about, I feel, is, is just so essential. I so value your, your doing this program to keep the focus on mission and purpose. And as we've indicated, recognition is a, a huge part of that. So I guess I would say that all, all the things we talked about are, are simple, almost common sense. But uh, you know, Voltaire, Voltaire in the 1600s said, made the observation that common sense often isn't common practice. 
Yeah, so it's not that you know this information, and you have because you might have heard, been listening to this and nod your head, and that yeah, you knew that. The more important question is. Are you doing it? Are you showing it in your own relationships at work or with your spouse or with your kids or with your boss or with your neighbors? That's, you have the, everyone listening has the power to bring this uh, out. Okay, Dr. Bob, I'm going to stop you real quick. I got to take, I want to make sure we don't run out of time. Send them to your website. Sorry, thank you so much for being on the show. And I want to make sure listeners know how to find you. Website is drbobnelson.com. If you want to look at his books or look at him for speaking, any of those places, that's that's the place to find him. Next week, we'll be on the air with, with Abhijit. Nascar talking about his one of his latest books called The Art of Neuroscience in Everything. See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Find your life's purpose at work.